For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Philip Wong. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we cover mental health-related leaves of absence, a USG budget amendment, Biden's re-election campaign announcement, and updates on the conflict in Sudan. It's Wednesday, April 26th. Obtaining a mental health-related leave of absence has not always been an easy process, and is still quite intimidating for some students to approach. We sat down with Associate News Editor Leah Opperman to discuss problems with the process in the past and the current process for obtaining one now. So you're right about how there have been a lot of changes in the way that the university has handled student mental health issues and mental health-related leaves of absence. What were some problems with the system in the past? There were a few problems with the system in the past. For example, back in the mid-2010s, there was issues with transparencies about students receiving mental health leave of absences. Students, especially a part of USG, wanted the university to make the process more clear for them to understand what steps they needed to take if they wanted to take one. And there was a lawsuit with the university back in 2014 about a student who was forced to take a leave of absence and how they believe that impacted them. Along with a few op-eds that were in the prints and in newspapers, there was just issues kind of with the transparency of the process and how it was run overall. In what ways has the system improved? Yeah, so in the piece, I spoke with two students who recently obtained leave of absences, and they both explained the process as relatively smooth. I mean, they expressed a few issues with how maybe the process in like taking mental health leaves and resources could be better, but they said that the process overall in getting a leave, getting reinstated by the university was really smooth, and they recommended it if students wanted to take a leave. Could you explain the current process of getting a mental health-related leave of absence and getting reinstated? The process to getting a mental health leave is on the university's website. I believe it's on the CPS website. And the first step is reaching out to your academic dean and just mentioning, hey, I wanna take a leave. So for both students that I spoke to, they just had a short meeting with their dean. And then if the situation requires it, sometimes the dean will refer the student to CPS to have an exit consultation before they leave the university. But a lot of the times that's not the case. And there's just a few forms that the student needs to sign and then they can leave the university for a year. In terms of getting reinstated, um, the semester before the student's supposed to return, the residential college dean will reach out again and be like, you need to go through CPS to get reinstated or you just have to fill out a form to be reinstated and then that process will commence. Um, Either way, the university reported that all students or almost all students get reinstated. So it's, it's not a difficult process to leave or to come back. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can read the piece at dailyprincetonian.com or the link in the description. On Sunday, the undergraduate student government failed to reach a consensus over the necessity of a constitutional budget amendment, ultimately delaying the vote. However, with only one more meeting scheduled for the semester, the budget amendment may not have enough time to be discussed thoroughly. The amendment, proposed by EU Councilor Daniel Shaw, class of 25, and USG Senator Brayden Arison, class of 25, would establish two new regular meetings during the month of June and two meetings during the first 30 days of the spring semester. Shaw explained that this change would, quote, expand the fall budget window to include summer spending. The proposed solution aims to address a misalignment between the academic schedule and the USG schedule, resulting in what Shaw describes as, quote, discussion over funds being spent before they were properly approved by the Senate. In national news, yesterday, President Joe Biden officially launched his re-election bid and will be running in the 2024 election for a second White House term. In a video released by his new campaign team, Biden declared his commitment to defending American democracy 
He denounced quote-unquote MAGA extremists, depicting them as a threat to American liberties. At 80 years old, Biden is already the oldest serving president. Despite concerns about his age, Biden explained that he still has work to do in pushing the country forward, stating, quote, When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. This is not a time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. In international news, following the ongoing conflict in Sudan, yesterday, the World Health Organization warned of a, quote, high risk of biological hazard, unquote, due to the occupation of the National Public Health Laboratory in the country's capital, Khartoum. Although it is unclear, as of now, which party is responsible for the seizure of this lab, officials are worried about the potential mismanagement of the hazardous materials, as well as measles and cholera pathogens that are held in the facility. There is also serious concern that without proper maintenance, the stocks of blood bags will be spoiled. Expect scattered showers with a high of 62 and a low of 43 in the early morning. That's all for Daybreak Today. Today's episode was written by Lena Kim, Noel Kim, and me, sound engineered by Edith Tishoma, and produced under the 147th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 2022. For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Philip Wong. Have a wonderful day.